0: I just wanted to help these small business owners, A, recognize that they're business owners, B, um, use technology to grow and scale their businesses. But, um, you know, I always recognized that they were like me. They were either immigrants or first generation, oftentimes we were talking to food truck and cart owners like kids, even restaurant owners. We were talking to their kids because English wasn't necessarily their first language. So it was amazing to see the kids coming in mm-hmm. to be able to help them understand how we were going to actually help their business grow. And through that, our mission, you know, again, it's always stuck to wanting to help this community. And so, you know, I recognize who I am. You know, I'm a first generation immigrant. I'm a woman. Um, I'm a minority. I'm a woman of color. And so that has always stuck. And that's, you know, who I want to help and support and grow.
1: Some entrepreneurs build businesses for fortune, some for impact. D Sharma is driven by passion as CEO and founder of food to eat, a community minded catering concierge service. She connects immigrants, women and minority owned food vendors to opportunities for growth, ultimately helping them strengthen their own business skills while also helping businesses feed employees great food and build stronger and more diverse work cultures. She is also a co-founder of Vicki, a platform-solving customer engagement for restaurants. Coming up, you'll hear about relentless resilience, enabling businesses to start conversations about diversity by putting pictures of restaurant owners with the food that they serve, why it matters to avoid thinking of team members as family, the value of aiming purchasing power towards diversity, and the importance of just getting things done. This is the Entreprenista Podcast, presented by Socialfly. It's the best business meeting you'll ever have, with must-hear real-life looks at how leading women in business are getting it done, and what it takes
2: to build and grow a successful company. It's beyond the gram, with no filters, no limits, and plenty of surprises.
1: Today, Deepthi Sharma is joining me. I'm so excited to have her. Thank you for having me. Yes, yes. Uh, So you actually started your business while you were waiting online for a food truck. How did that idea come to you? So...
0: (laughs) i'm a native new yorker and sometimes impatient as we can all be um i was waiting online at this food truck like he said and i waited for 30 minutes and all i got was a peanut butter cookie and so that impatient new yorker in me said well why why did i just do that why did i just wait i could have you know i have a really bad sweet tooth and so that's probably why but was it worth the wait oh my god it was the most incredible cookie okay good (laughs) um and i waited and i realized well this is new york we have incredible food everywhere um and I could have just gone anywhere else. But that experience really led me to, you know, really think about, like, why why do we all have to wait 30 minutes to receive crude food, right? Like, why is this the only way to access food trucks at the time? And so I was waiting online and I figured, well... Is there a way that we can create an online ordering platform for food trucks? It didn't strike me at that moment, but the more I started thinking about it, the more conversations I had with food truck and cart owners, um, I realized that, you know, they weren't really using technology um, in their day-to-day businesses. And so I wanted to think of, help them think of ways that they could incorporate technology to grow and scale their businesses. And then as a consumer, just provide easier access for them and relieve them of the pains of having to wait in line for 30 minutes or a cookie. What year was this? This was probably 2009. And what were you doing at the time? I was studying for my LSATs, (laughs) very miserable. I had recently graduated college the year before, and uh, it was just a tough time, right? You know, the economy was crashing or crashed. um, And jobs were really hard to find. And I came from a political background. So that's why law school was the next step um, for me. Um, I never wanted to actually practice law, but I just wanted the education because I, you know, thought it would help me further my political career. Mm -hmm. Um, And lo and behold, I found myself waiting online and thought, well, this could be a great opportunity and, you know, not
1: have to be in debt a lot, you know, three years later. So. So what did you do first? So you ate the cookie, I'm assuming. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and then <laughs> definitely what? ate the cookie within seconds. <laughs> um, but, you know, I, I, I thought to myself, well, so the, here's a problem. Um, maybe there's a solution, you know, create technology um, that food trucks and carts could use. Uh, but more than that, what I really did was I started talking to the food trucks and cart owners. Um, and I realized that they were, You know, people like me, they were immigrants, they were women of color, they were minorities. Um, They also didn't see themselves as business owners. And that really struck me as kind of crazy that they didn't, right? They weren't thinking of themselves as a a legitimate business. They weren't marketing themselves. They weren't even naming themselves, right? So, um, you know, on any given day at that point, I I would be walking down Park Avenue and there's a different food cart on every street. Mm Mm-hmm every corner. And they were all called halal cart. And it would just display the same stock images of the falafel or the chicken over rice, while each of them were actually serving something different. You know, they were serving falafel over rice, but the style was different. And they weren't, you know, marketing that and they weren't showcasing that. And I said, well, you guys have iPhones, why don't you take pictures, get them printed and post them on your food truck? Why don't you name your business so people can differentiate you? Why don't you take pre-orders, you know, and during the winter times, especially because right, people would right. stop, you know, they wouldn't go outside. And so when Food date started, we started as this online ordering platform. So a lot of these conversations is what led me to believe that there is a business and there is a way for me to be able to provide some value to this food truck community. Um, Because that's always been important to me in anything I do is just what value can I actually bring? Mm -hmm. I don't Mm -hmm. want to do it just to do it. What's my purpose? Um, And my purpose is really has been to just grow and scale these small businesses that I've worked with for almost eight years now. Because I started the company in 2011.
1: How did you know how to create the technology? Oh, I didn't. (laughs) (laughs) So
0: I went to India in 2008. So the year before for a cousin's wedding ended up spending a little bit more time there I did some volunteer work with Democrats abroad and you know in between I came back and you know decided that this could be a cool opportunity so I went back to India and I spent some time just looking for technology partners, uh, you know, lots of people were outsourcing. I didn't, you know, I didn't really know what fundraising was like. I didn't even think that I would fundraise. And so I was taking some of my own money and, you know, I hired a tech company out there to help me build version 1.0 and 2.0. Um, and that's literally how I got started. I was just telling them what I thought, you know, I was looking at other apps, other companies and websites um, because the app market was also very new at the Time in two thousand nine, mm-hmm. and so I was just kind of seeing what you know what I could create that would be uh, consumer worthy, um, and so that was my first step. Just really finding people to help support
1: um, what. How I needed. much money did you need to just get it off the ground?
0: <sighs> what was I? Saying? Probably around like thirty 000, forty thousand dollars. And so it was like, you know, I raised a little bit um, at that time. By 2011, I had raised $500,000 from small angels um, and, you know, some family and friends. And, you know, people say, oh, that must be nice. You have family and friends that can actually just throw (laughs) away money at you. It actually took a lot of work to do that, right? Because, you know, I had to pitch myself. I was pitching myself to people that knew me for years, but didn't know me in a work setting. And so instead of creating a business plan, I was pitching to them what I had done, because I was recently graduated. It's not like my resume was so long. Um, But I talked about, you know, in my political career, I worked on a couple of campaigns, how I went from intern to, you know, basically being assistant to deputy campaign managers and campaign managers, which is a pretty big achievement for an 18, 19 year old Mm -hmm. with no experience. And so through that, I was just kind of of trying to show that the hustle was real and that I was doing whatever it took to be able to learn more, understand what it took to kind of grow in a certain role and in an industry. And I did that in the political world. And a campaign is very similar to, you know, opening up a company. You have a product or service. You have a human that you're, you know, doing the same things for. You have to figure out who the target market is. And, right, and so right. I took those skills and put it into the business and just, you know, that fundraising came through just being able to explain what I did.
1: And who was your target market in on day one, and has it changed over time?
0: Oh, absolutely. So we've definitely had a pivot. Um, the target market in 2011 was the average, you know, lunch consumer in Midtown Manhattan. You know, people that were going out and ordering food. Um, so when we first started, we were, like I said, an online ordering platform for food trucks and carts. So like a uh, seamless for carts and trucks. Um, we wanted to provide a bigger market, so we started partnering with restaurants. And what the, one of the biggest reasons why we did that was because we started talking to restaurants and wanted to understand what they needed. You know, we wanted to provide a bigger experience for our customers, but also, what can we do better to help them? And so, we heard from them that Seamless and Grubhub were essentially their enemies because they were charging anywhere from 20 to 30 percent every single time a consumer ordered. Um, And if you know anything about restaurants, their margins are very slim, most of the time under 12 percent. So, if a restaurant has to pay 12, you know, 20 to 30 percent every single time somebody is placing an order, they're in fact losing. Um, they're not actually gaining anything from that uh, when it comes to profits. And so we wanted to create a platform where we were, um, you know, keeping their margins in mind and actually not being seen as a third party, but as a partner. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we did that and it was great. But, you know, we had to think grow and scale that and we saw a lot of companies coming in providing the same exact service as seamless but doing nothing different and so we really wanted to focus on our mission and our mission at the time was to provide a more sustainable pricing model Um, and we pitched that and we got a lot of press for it Um, Because we were the first, you know, company to actually think about that and challenge some of these big ones. Um, But we realized the consumer didn't care. They cared more about their convenience. And so that's where our pivot really came. But um, so our end consumer has definitely changed. It's still people that are eating. It's still consumers that are eating lunch. But instead of... um, you know, the average consumer that's working and ordering for themselves, Mm -hmm. we switched into our B2B model. So we went from B2C to the B2B model and uh, we're now targeting one person as opposed to millions of people all over New
1: York. What year was that where you pivoted?
0: Uh, We started thinking about our pivot in 2014. Um, and 2015 is where it really just like picked up Um, but 2014 is just like when the the thought process started happening and you know I didn't feel like I was providing as much value as I wanted anymore and like I said as you know Uber Eats, Caviar, DoorDash, these were all companies that were coming up trying to enter the space and it just Mm -hmm. felt like noise and we would have to raise millions of dollars to compete with them and I didn't want to do that right I mean I could go out and raise money would be very hard but to just be one of you know, just another company and not to be able to be recognized. It just wasn't fun and restaurants didn't see the value in it right um it just felt like we would all just be chasing the same thing and so for me again like it's always about how am i driving value to the community that i'm trying to service um whether that be a community that i live in or i'm working in or i'm eating at what can i do um and so that's why that b2b model was that pivot was really important it was tough because you don't ever you know as founders you don't ever want to like steer away from um your original thought and idea. You think if you're doing that, you're failing, which is okay, even if you are failing, but at least, um, you know, you're figuring something out.
1: And just going back to that, because I would imagine, you know, steering away from your original idea, as you said, can be a big challenge. (laughs) Uh, What were the steps and what was the process like to determine where should you be steering?
0: Oh, God. Yeah. I mean, I, a lot of it was it was just, again, going back to what I did at first, right, was just conversations. I think the best way to know what um, needs to happen is talking to people, right? Oftentimes, we're so afraid to talk to our consumers or end user, um, and so we just did that, right? We started talking to people that were ordering from us. We started talking to the food trucks and the restaurants, and we realized that um, – Restaurants just needed more to you know more money. They needed more to be added to the bottom line, and the best way to do that is um, through catering. We realized over and over again, every conversation we had, that catering is a holy grail of the uh, food business world. And whether you're a cater- you know whether you're a, just a food business that's you know making food out of a commissary kitchen, or um, you're a restaurant or a food truck, catering is great. You know, it's predictable. Um, it's, you know, being able to feed a large amount of people with just a little a bit of work. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we said, great, you know, you guys are individual businesses. You're working so hard. Um, you focus more on in your business and are, don't have the time to work focus on your business. So let us help you do that. Let us become your sales and marketing for your catering business. Um, and we'll help you create more opportunities. And so our clients today are, you know, clients like Microsoft, um, ad agencies like drug of five. Um, so we look at corporations and we, you know, seek the clients that would be great for them, but also hard for them to reach out to just because they're individuals. They don't have a lot of time for sales outreach. They don't have someone dedicated to this. So we become that for them. We become their catering partner. How did you find those first big clients? So the first big clients were, uh, were fun because we were just looking at who's ordering from us today. Um, Tumblr actually, interestingly enough, was our first client where we saw that they were ordering from food trucks and we happened to just reach out to them and say, Hey, would you guys ever want to rent a food truck for your entire company? Um, and that, that became our first client. We, um, you know, went back to them. So they rented food trucks for an entire summer. We went back to them in the fall and said, Well, we also work with restaurants. Would you want to use us for your weekly team lunches? And then that's where it really kicked off, right? People were willing to pay us to coordinate and put together meals for their teams. And so we thought, This is cool. You know, we're helping a company like Tumblr build culture by bringing awesome food together and getting people from all different parts of the company, you know, from tech and marketing, come together and share a meal. Um, so there was a lot of, you know, help that we got from that experience. And then, you know, now we partner more with uh, restaurants than we do food trucks, but that continued and we just started, you know, pitching more and more to to larger companies and, you know, we started with the premise of let us help you build culture through this quick, easy benefit that you could provide mm-hmm. through food. Um, and then we grew from there.
1: And how does the platform work now? Does you just go in and you you order The catering through the platform? Are you calling? Yeah. So we have a platform where people can place their orders, but the biggest
0: part of our business is the concierge service. So we see catering as still being very high touch. Mm -hmm. Our clients are spending, you know, anywhere from a couple of thousand dollars to twenty, thirty thousand dollars for events. And just the sheer amount of dietary restrictions that yes. exist today, you know, and you're spending that much money, you want to make sure that you get it right. You want to make sure that if somebody is celiac or if somebody is vegetarian mm-hmm. or vegan, that you get their dietary restrictions correct. So our concierge service is great. We partner with office managers. They let us know when they need um, meals for, whether it's a twenty person team meeting or a five hundred person event. Um, we, you know, build out proposals so they get paired up with a dedicated account manager essentially a concierge, Mm -hmm. and that person just gets to know them and builds out whatever they need, whenever they need it for. Um, And it's great because we get to partner with, you know, um, these amazing food vendors. We get to know them. We're vetting them. um, We're tasting everything, Mm -hmm. (laughs) which
1: is not so great for my waistline. (laughs) Yes. What what percentage of your time do you spend eating I would say 50% <laughs> of the times like 50% yeah absolutely
0: <laughs> um, it's it's great but like I said the waistline does not appreciate it my stomach and soul definitely do.
1: Something that Stephanie, my business partner, and I love to do on the show is something we call Surprise and Delight, where we surprise and delight our guests. And this is actually something that we always recommend that our clients do on their social media channels with their audience. So we actually have a surprise for you. Oh, wow. Two, next, one is in the Entremista bag actually behind you. Uh, so we have a little note for you and, and some swag in there. Thank and then we you. also took a look at your blog and your Instagram oh. uh, feed and saw that you like branded cupcakes. And there oh, yeah. was. Old blog post about how uh, branded items are, are great for marketing and for your business. Yes. So, if thank you. You're hungry, you. and I know you I'm need 50% hungry. of your day, <laughs> but if you want a cupcake, feel free to have one. Uh, yes, I
0: will stuff myself. Actually, <laughs> if there's anybody else,
1: I'm sure that would want one, I'll ah. definitely be taking one a bit later. But...
0: Oh, and actually, these guys are friends. you good New York City. I actually had. Um, my son like my this entire year they celebrated every single occasion with me like husband's birthday my son's birthday somebody's birthday is like or like anniversary was celebrated by them so that's awesome as well
1: I'm going to eat it. Oh, we, de- we got it right. I love it when we get it right. <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll have one in a, a little later. So you had to pivot your company. Tell us how the mission has changed from day one to what it is now.
0: So our mission back then, um, like, you know, like I was talking about, I was, I just wanted to help these small business owners, A, recognize that they're business owners, B, um, use technology to grow and scale their businesses. But, um... You know, I always recognized that they were like me. They were either immigrants or first generation. Oftentimes, we were talking to food truck and cart owners, like kids, even restaurant owners. We were talking to their kids because English wasn't necessarily their first language. So it was amazing to see the kids coming in Mm -hmm. to be able to help them understand how we were going to actually help their business grow. Um, And through that, our mission, like, you know, again, it's always stuck to wanting to help this community. And so, you know, I recognize who I am. You know, I'm a first-generation immigrant. I'm a woman. um, I'm a minority. I'm a woman of color. And so that has always stuck, and that's, you know, who I want to help and support and grow. And so today, you know, we continue to – Um, do the things that we've always done, you know, help small business owners use technology to grow, but always, you know, try to go back to focusing on immigrant women and minority owned. Something we didn't do in the beginning was actually talk about it. So today, what we're doing more of is um, talking about that mission and making sure that people recognize our brand along with that. Because, you know, like all of us, we, we want to associate ourselves with a brand that does good right whether it's buying food or buying beauty products we want to know that they're not just making these products for us to use and consume but they're doing more Um, and today food is more than that food is um, how does it affect your economy and your community um, or your environment right so that that's always been important is that how can we you know, do what we do, continue to do it, but now attach it to our brand and talk more about it so that people want to do more business with us at the end of the day.
1: And how does that impact your customer on the corporate side? So who are you working with on the the business side to to get this mission across?
0: So... Um, you know, generally we're talking to office managers and, and we tell them, you know, what we do. And one of the biggest reasons why they partner with us is because they get to, you know, no, they know that they're by working with food to eat they're supporting these amazing um, group of vendors. Um, but what we noticed was, you know, there was a couple of things, actually. So we noticed that people were hiring more chief diversity officers. Um, and... We saw that the only way people look at diversity and inclusion is by just hiring people, uh, women and people of color, and that's not enough, right? right? Diversity is beyond just hiring. Diversity is should be seen as a more holistic view. How can you use as a company your your purchasing power to invest in the community that you're a part of? You know, you have this. You know, your your Bank of America. You have a tower of fifty floors. What do you do besides just you know? being where you are like how can you help the community outside these you know four walls flourish and one way is by purchasing from them investing in female-owned businesses minority-owned businesses Um, and that's become a really important part Um, we also started this campaign called i made your food and the whole premise behind that was to be able to showcase these people right again when we were selling we're we're talking to the office managers we're not you know we're talking to the office managers we're talking to the chief diversity officers at times but what we're not doing is being able to relay the same mission that we tell them to their to the people that are actually eating the food the employees and so i made your food as a campaign where we're photographing all of our owners chefs operators managers um, with signs that say i made your food and we're having um these pictures on, you know, there are. It's a social media campaign, but we're also having these pictures delivered with the meals, and so that when people walk up to the food, they're not just saying, "Oh, free food my company bought for me," and running yes, away. Yes. They're actually connecting with the food. They're having a bit of an emotional moment, and they say, "Oh wow, this is, you know, blah blah from Hey Hey Canteen or King David Tacos, and she made this food, you know, or she had something to do with it. It's her company, and." You know, like I just got a text. You know, we um, we're just starting to partner with a new company, and a a, a woman I know works there, and she just texts me, and she's like, "Oh, it's so funny. The owner of this place is my boss's fiance," and so it's. You know, she wouldn't have known that if she hadn't seen that picture and if she hadn't recognized that. And so those are the really cool things that, you know, we're seeing that, you know, we're having people reaching out to us. Somebody wants to do a docuseries on it because they recognize the importance of understanding who made your food. And we want to, you know. Elevate these people. We want them to be recognized for their skill and their craft, because at the end of the day, it takes a lot, you know. And and we recognize we're not making the food, but we want to recognize the people behind it. How did that idea come to be? Honestly, it was just that you know we weren't being recognized enough. Um, you know, we again, like I said, like we when I say we weren't being recognized, that we didn't see what we were doing translated Mm -hmm, to these mm -hmm. employees, and we wanted to figure out a way. You know, we we, we had interviewed them. We interviewed them and put pictures, but we weren't getting enough engagement. People weren't connecting with these stories because what happens, I mean, you should know more than anyone on Instagram, people look at pictures, just quickly like, they they don't really connect, they don't actually read, unless it is you know Kim Kardashian's account and she's talking about something that's really important, right? Um, and and so that's what we wanted and this this picture that says i made your food really struck it got people to actually connect and feel and 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 we're just like oh wow i never thought about it never thought that this is the person who's working so hard to make this meal and that's where it really connect like you know and i saw another campaign which i loved which was i made your clothes Um, And I thought, well, why can't we do the same thing for food? And so, you know, that was the other way kind of brought in. So we kept thinking, we're saying, we're telling the stories. Why aren't people engaging? And so with these photos, we've seen a lot more engagement, which is great.
1: What you're doing is definitely incredible, you know, as someone who orders food a lot for our growing team. Um, You've definitely differentiated yourself from some of the other options that I know about. Mm -hmm. Uh, So congratulations to you. you. It's definitely very, very inspiring. Uh, How big is your team now?
0: We're a group of five, so we're lean and mean. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Um, You know, I I like to say that we hire
0: experts on the team. Everyone knows what they do. They don't have to be babied or coddled. They they have a role, and they make sure that they just get it done and that's been the most important part of um, just hiring in general for me. Uh, what are the roles
1: on your team? So and who had, did you
0: hire first? Oh, who did I hire first? So, it, oh, who did I? Oh, sales. I was like, when I was like, <laughs> who did I hire first? Because I was doing a lot of sales in the beginning. Yes. Um, so sales was definitely the first to help me. Just you know, there is there are only so many places I can be in. Um, I can't be in fifty rooms at once. So somebody helping me replicate my voice, replicate you know, just what I talk about all the time um, and just doing it as their role all the time. Um, So sales was first. But when I first started Food to Eat, it was definitely one of the mistakes I made um, of hiring sales just because they had the experience and not because they cared about what I was doing. Um, And I'm sure, you know, it's something that I'm sure a lot of founders have faced, but it was just... I don't know why I didn't think that it was important to talk about the why or just hear from someone that the why was more important than just what they had to do. I saw that they were able to sell in another industry or a similar industry. Um, They hit their targets and they went above and beyond. But what I realized was they did well for a month or two and because they weren't passionate about the job and they didn't see themselves making enough money right off the bat, they left. And so I had a lot of turnover within the first six months of starting the company um, and then a year later I realized why, and it was because I wasn't selling my why I wasn't right, sell. I right. sell it to my con you know, my customers, but I should be doing that to them as well. And if they understand that the money isn't as important as everything else, right? They know that they have this opportunity to be able to grow and scale with the company. Um, and so that was important. Um, so sales was the first hire that I made. Um, and then, you know, our team is comprised of account managers, you know, the ones that are actually doing the the day to day. And then one of our account managers in the last year decided that they want to take a a bit of a a push on marketing. And so uh, marketing and content, which we didn't have before. Um, but again, like I said, you know, we realized that we weren't branding ourselves enough. We weren't mm-hmm. focused on that. We were just trying to hit the pavement, get as many clients as possible. Um, people want to do business with good people. Right. And so that connection was great. They, they met me, they liked me, but they also want to connect with the brand. Right, um, right. And so how can we give them more inspiration? And we can do that by creating great
1: content. Do you have any management tips for, for the, for everyone listening? Ooh, management tips. Um,
0: definitely. I, I think something someone told me was don't treat your team like family because you can't fire your family. Um, you know, Treat them as a team, you know, do believe in them and do like, you know, you can treat them like family and to some extent, but don't get too attached because you need to be able to make the decision, the decisions of letting someone go without emotion attached to it. Um, So I've become friends with people that have worked with, with me, for me. um, But I've made sure to not get too emotionally attached so that when the time comes where, and when and if the time comes, I don't ever like firing somebody. But if the time comes that it's just not the right fit anymore, like for example when we pivoted, um, I had a very different skill set that I needed at that time than right. the B two B model. And so I had to think about who who did I need to remove from the team because I only had a certain amount of capital in which I could keep a team alive. Um, so that was really important and really tough thing to do. But um, but yeah, just not treating your your team like family and just keeping them strong and being a great leader in other ways.
1: I've actually never heard that advice before. So, so thank you. Uh, You're definitely um, making me think about, rethink a lot of things. Um, (laughs) I hope in a good way. (laughs) Yes, yes, for sure. And what would you say is the biggest challenge that you're facing now?
0: Well, we're a small brand um, and, you know, we, we never done any marketing. Um, before. And this is all new to us. Um, you know, we're not big on Instagram. And, you know, even though we're a food company, people think that, oh, well, food porn, it makes sense. But our end user isn't really on Instagram all the time. Um, and then when we started this campaign, it's become kind of like a consumer campaign because the more people we see talking about it, the more people are probably going to go to their office managers. And right, I noticed right. that when I went to an event and I spoke about I Made Your Food. And immediately, within the next two days, we had about five companies reach out to us because somebody was at the event, heard me speak, and realized that this is a cool company to associate with, and they do food ordering. And they switched over to us. Three of them switched over to us um, because they loved our mission. And so one of the challenges is how do we... Elevate this campaign. Um, we don't have a huge budget, like I said, we're still a small company. Um, and how do we do that? And so we're reaching out to influencers that we respect and like, and that I know um, some I know, some I don't, and just saying like, hey, how can we collaborate with you? What can we do in which where this works for you as well as us? So you help us get more. You know, we can't pay you right now what you're worth, right? Right. But what can we do where you know this elevates both your brand and ours? Um, and again, at the end of the day as much as we're involved the stories are more important you know that's what we really talk about more than anything else is the individuals behind the food and so we're going to people that we know care about the storytelling aspect um, and helping elevate these brands at the end of the day we hope that people come to us to help them Kind of figure out what food and beverages they need for their next events and team meals, but we're helping these individual brands because we've just created content for them as well. Um, something that they don't do for themselves. Something you know, something that they may not have capital to hire somebody to do. Um, so a lot of the brands that we're working with, the small mom and pops, are really appreciative of these interviews because a lot of times people don't even reach out to them right Right, nobody asks them their entrepreneur story and we thought that that was really important Um, and that's what people find the most interesting thing too you know when they come to us and learn more about i made your food
1: Have you tried advertising on LinkedIn or Facebook or Instagram?
0: So that's something we're going to be starting in the next couple months. Um, As we're building a little bit more of the the stories that we're working on,
1: um, we're going to start pushing that stuff out as well yeah, because you're creating such amazing content. So yeah, gotta get got to make sure that people are going to see it.
0: Exactly. yeah. I mean, we don't want it to just be something that we hide away and lives on our blog. and that's where we're starting with the influencers and then slowly trying to take it into um, you know just trying to figure out what what channels make most sense for us.
2: The common theme from all of the guests we've interviewed on our podcast so far is that they've all relied on support from other women through groups. So we decided to start an entrepreneurista Facebook group. Head on over to Facebook and search entrepreneistas. We really wanted to create a community for entrepreneurs to connect, share ideas, help each other solve problems, and learn from all of our collective experiences. If you join the group, it's really a safe space to talk about being an entrepreneur, sharing your wins, asking for help when needed, It's going to be an exciting 2019, and we can't wait to meet you so we can learn and grow together.
1: Managing a growing company can pull you into a lot of different directions. What is a typical day in the life like?
0: Okay, so I'm going to start with home because that is a huge part of my day in my life and my journey as an entrepreneur. Um, I usually wake up or I'm woken up by one of two kids I know I don't <laughs> what time up. is that oh god it varies but usually uh, between six and seven I have an almost three year old and a nine and a half month old um I say that with like a bit of a question just because I'm always, you know, everyone knows everything by weeks, but I, my head is all over the place, so I forget. Uh, so usually it starts with one of them waking up or me waking them up um, around between six and seven. My husband and I start to get both of them ready, um, getting ourselves ready, getting one of their, you know, lunches ready because he goes to daycare slash school, drop one of them off to daycare drop the other one off with either my parents or my husband's parents. Um, and then, you know, we usually try to stop somewhere, grab a cup of coffee. I don't drink coffee, but my husband does. Or some kind of drink so that I have some kind of morning energy um, and then make it into work between 9 and 10 o'clock. Um, it's funny because there will be so many times where we say to each other, I can't believe we woke up at 6 o'clock. And it's ten, and we're still not at work. And it's because of the multiple stops, or the whining, or the screaming, and we're potty training my son. So giving him time to actually sit and do his business—that's a part of our journey. And it's yes. interesting. It's a part of our crazy, and and then getting into work. Um, And before that, you know, I forgot, you know, I've been trying to get my son to actually meditate. So I used to meditate every day. I used to go for a run every day.
1: I started meditating every day. Oh, it's amazing. I do. I try to do twice a day, but I've been good about once a day uh, for about three weeks now.
0: That's amazing. And how do you feel?
1: I feel a lot better. I feel a lot less stressed, but, you know, running a business is... It can be very stressful, oh, yeah. but um, it definitely helps to, to manage stress for sure.
0: A quick tip that I always give people is that meditation always seems really daunting to people. They think that they need to spend 10, 20 minutes meditating, mm-hmm. and you don't actually necessarily even need to do that. You take a quick pause between tasks that you're even doing, mm-hmm. so like taking two minutes, not even, 30 seconds When you finish writing an email and you need to start the next task, whether it's writing another email or it's getting on a call, take 30 seconds, close your eyes, just be in the moment, feel, you know, every part of your body for that 30 seconds and then move on. And that's just trying to, you know, what happens in every big city or just in the day we live in, we're always running around so much that we forget what we were you know intending on doing and what the purpose of that was like once a week i try to eat by myself with nothing in front of me no phone no computer i'm not reading anything um, no books nothing just eating you know do one thing and do it well. And even if it's just eating, right. And so it's one of the reasons why I don't run with, uh, with music because it's my meditation. It's another form of that. So um, I, I I was trying to get my son to start meditating with me and his way of meditation is just closing his eyes. Not really, but like also peeking and looking at me. (laughs) That's so cute. But we do a little bit of chanting and I try doing it at night with him. If he's going to sleep. Um, But so that happens as well, get into work and, and it's, I like to just run through my my inbox, try to make it as close to zero as possible. Um, and then just trying to get through the day. I try to, once a week, we do team meetings just to catch up. Um, and in those meetings, what's important is just to understand how can we help each other? So, right. you know, it's a usually a recap, but I like to end them with, what are you doing that you may need help with? And if it's nothing, that's cool. But it just gives, you know, you know, we're a small team and we always get caught up. Like I said, everyone knows what they're doing and gets caught up in their own tasks. But if you create a portion where you allow people to ask each other for help, um, they actually do it. Um, but if you don't create that, like, you know, openness, people right, don't, right. They, they just think that they have to just take on all these tasks. Um, and I think that was really important for us to start doing, um, and it depends on the day. You know, there are days where I'm, I have the opportunity to talk about myself yeah. <laughs> and hang out with cool people like yourself and and record a podcast or speak on a panel. Um, you know, I love talking about motherhood because as a millennial woman of color, I don't see it happen enough. Um, oh, yeah, so I look I for those opportunities, you know, and, and to be able to just empower other women that you can have it all, but you can't at the same time. You just have to create your own balance in whichever that is. Um, and balance is different for everybody. So right. you just have to be okay with that. Sorry. I think I like, no, 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 question. this is
1: great. And then also, you know, building your, your support system. Yeah. So who would you say is part of that, that support system? My support system definitely, you know,
0: has my family, you know, obviously they're more involved than they've ever been in before. Um, especially cause I have kids, you know, they've been very helpful, um, I always joke with, you know, my, my parents that they're basically raising my kids <laughs> most of the time, but it takes a village and I'm For sure. taking advantage of the fact that I live in the same city as my family, you know, to the point where my brother helps and he's a doctor who has a lot going on, <laughs> saving people's lives. But even he's like, you know, been such a great help. And uh, and that's really important is having those people, um, mm-hmm. your family. But I love also to surround myself with um, other entrepreneurs, right? It just they know the daily struggle.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, you know, until my husband became a, an entrepreneur, I don't think he actually understood what my life was like. And that only happened a year and a half ago. You know, I could talk to him, but he didn't understand like the internal struggle that you have on a constant basis, uh, whether it's about your team or just a, a client that you have to pitch to or whatever right. it is, or when something just doesn't work and you just don't want to talk to anybody, you want to curl up into a ball and just like sit in the dark room? (laughs) He's like, no, 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 you can't do that. But now he gets it, right? Like he
1: gets like the- Did you inspire him to become an entrepreneur?
0: I'd like to say I did. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, I mean, he worked in banking. He was
1: was an investment
0: banker and then he went on to uh, do some equity research and he was a great writer and he had a lot of great insights. Mm -hmm. And I thought to him like, you're writing about all these- other companies that are growing and their stocks and, you know, what they're going to do next. um, Why not try to figure out what you want to do? And, you know, you know, because I felt I felt like he was trying to predict what they were going to do and try to help Mm -hmm. them build Mm -hmm. their next move. And and when, in fact, he could have been doing that for himself, you know, for years. And so I said, think about it. And we actually co-founded our second company together, um, which is also within the restaurant tech space. But What uh, is it? It's a company called Biki. Um, we're a data aggregation platform for restaurants. Um, what that means is essentially restaurants are, you know, they have many data points, whether it's through online ordering, like mm-hmm. Seamless, Grubhub, whether it's point of sales, OpenTable, reservation sites, their own native online ordering. All of this data and these customers are in, you know, several different platforms. So we've created a dashboard where all of that data sits in one place. We're aggregating it, but we're making it actionable. So we're helping them create um, marketing campaigns to be able to, you know, segment their, you know, their customers, but to be able to talk to them. Um, And it seems so obvious, but a lot of brands don't think about this. And so we're helping brands that are anywhere from five to 50 right now um, to just connect with their customers and to understand these customers, not to sell to them the same way, right? Right. What happens a lot of the times, for example, you know, um, I'm a vegetarian. And so oftentimes people will send me emails with pepperoni in it, you know, or like chicken and like promoting a new dish that they're doing. I'm like, well, I'm a vegetarian if you knew anything, you would know that through my purchase history that I'm, I, I've am never purchased any meat, so why would you be pushing this <laughs> right, to me? Right. And so we want them to segment and understand their customers, but to talk to the customers in the right way because at the end of the day, that's what people like, you know, something personalized. I mean, just something that you did for me. These cupcakes are something so simple, um, and but the fact that you thought about me and you knew that it was something that I liked, and that's important when we, you know, think about... Um, about our customers. Mm -hmm. And so for Vicky, that was important is how do we get restaurants to do the same?
1: That's awesome. Definitely going to be following what's going on with, with Vicky. So something that my business partner, Stephanie and I love to do is a brainstorm with our guests. Is there a particular challenge that you're facing right now in your business that you would like to brainstorm together on?
0: Yeah, um, so I wouldn't call it a challenge, more just trying to figure out more ideas based off of the iMajor food campaign. And like I was talking about it earlier... um, It's a social media campaign, but it's also an in-person campaign that we're pushing. Um, And we're trying to bring more, um, you know, everybody wants their campaign to be viral, but Mm -hmm. we're just trying to Mm -hmm. find more ways in which we could partner with people um, or what could we offer um, to bring more, you know, I guess, awareness to this campaign.
1: Let's put 60 seconds on the clock. Uh, An initial idea that I have for you is uh, I think it's great that you have um, these pictures going up with the food that you are serving so that people can see the person behind the food. Mm -hmm. Uh, But something that you should create is an Instagrammable moment once people are consuming and eating the food so when they go up to you know make their tray or make their plate um inspire them to take a picture and post it on their social media platform um and that could come through you know putting up a sign or maybe you can surprise and delight um the, the company and send the chef over or the restaurant owner with the food. Mm-hmm. Uh, that might create a, a moment where people might want to take pictures and post about it and tag the brand.
0: I like that. I'm actually going into a company next week to talk about um, our company and I made your food and so the surprise and delight factor could be fun for next yeah,
1: week. Yeah, bring, bring the chef or bring the restaurant owner. That could be fun for them, fun for you, and then a good uh, PR moment cool thank you yeah yeah you're welcome happy to help uh, and then what is next for um uh, for your company so next for the company is um you know
0: we'd love to try to keep expanding in new york but think about if we want to be beyond new york what mm-hmm. that looks like um what's city number two or three um and so just trying to focus on you know just building out new york now but like you know, how can we grow beyond just the city and, and and bring diversity in food elsewhere? Um, so that's been most important for us to think about. Where do you think the next city will be? Oh, not sure. I love Philly just because it's a big food city. Yes. Um, and it's not the most obvious choice for everyone. Um,
1: you know, wherever there is great food, I follow. <laughs> and uh, what does it mean to you to be an entrepreneur?
0: Being an entrepreneurista to me means being unapologetic um, and just doing what I believe is the right thing. Um, and and so, you know, I say the same thing to women all the time: just stop thinking about what you want to do and just go do it and be unapologetic um, because you're probably going to kick ass at it anyways. And don't be worried about having the grand plan figured out, you know. And so, um, just. being unapologetically myself is the the most important thing as I think about being an entrepreneur. I 100%
1: agree. (laughs) Uh, Well, thank you so much for for joining me today. Where Mm -hmm. can everyone find and and follow you? So um, on Instagram, I'm deepdnyc.
0: That's D-E-E-P-T-I-N-Y-C. And food to eat is uh, just food to eat, F-O-O-D-T-O. (laughs) E-A-T on all platforms, whether it's Twitter, social, uh, Instagram or Facebook. Thank you for having me here today. It was an absolute delight to be here. And um, this is such a great opportunity. Like I said, I'm always looking for opportunities to talk about myself, my journey as an entrepreneur, um, and spread the message of our mission. Um, And so as a small thank you to you and your listeners, we'd love to extend a small discount, a 20% 20 discount to anybody for their first time order. of $350 or more. So make sure to email us at com, and make sure to mention Entreprenista either in the subject or in the body of the email. And this offer will be good till uh, the end of August, 2019.
1: Awesome. Well, thank you so much. And I'm Courtney, and this is the best business meeting I've ever had.
2: Entreprenista is produced by Mouth Media Network for Social Fly. Copyright 2019, Social Fly, all rights reserved. Thanks for listening.